0: From
1: the Outreach Department at the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired in Austin, Texas, this is A Sense of Texas. Here is your host, Emily
0: Coleman. So once again, it's not Emily Coleman, (laughs) it's Kate Borg, but I have Emily with me. It's our 50th episode. Can you believe that? 50 episodes, Emily.
1: I cannot. It just, uh, it's shocking. It's shocking. It's,
0: it's awesome. It's been fun to kind of go back and listen to some of the highlights. Oh, we should have done a highlight reel. <laughs> it's been fun to go back and listen to some of the highlights just to get ready to chat with you today. We also have Nathan Widener with us today. Um, we put him on a microphone. He's one of the producers of our show, and so it'll be kind of fun, I think, to have his perspective a little bit. Yeah,
1: we'll see what I end up saying. Probably not, probably not a lot. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so we are you may be able to hear some background noise we are outside under a pavilion on the campus at tsbvi seated about 25 feet apart i don't know i'm not a good judge of distance it's much more than six feet i know i was complaining
1: earlier today because it was cold out and then i looked and it was 56 degrees and uh You and I coming from the colder climates, I'm sure that our families
0: would give us a hard time.
1: You're a a true Texan now, Emily. You've really (laughs) finally made it. Welcome.
0: So, Emily, we... I'm excited to get to talk to you today. It you know, we talked a little bit about what we wanted to do for for episode 50 and just thought it would be fun to check in with you. Um you know, thinking back to the start of the podcast. So the first episode was on October 31st, 2018, and doesn't that just feel like 12 years ago? Yeah. Wow, <laughs> crazy. Yes. So you were new to Texas, you were new to TSBVI, you were new as an outreach director here. So thinking back to that first episode, what's happened since? Share a little bit about your, I guess, let's start with your professional journey since that time. (laughs) You know, it's kind of crazy because
1: uh, when we started doing the podcast, it was so that I could learn more about TSBVI, about the programs that we offered here. Uh, You know, if, if you'll recall, I was meeting with all the different department heads and the principals and Um, Really, it's because it was meetings I needed to have as a new person to TSBVI anyways, and I just wanted to bring people along on the journey because I thought the information would be helpful to everybody. Um, And it has sort of continued in that way and then expanded outside of TSBVI, of course, I will say it's been a, a little bit of a struggle in the pandemic. Um, I don't know if you experience, I'm sure you experience it. I'm sure we all do that. It's like some days I wonder where all my knowledge went about blindness <laughs> yeah. education because it's consumed with epidemiology. And uh, and so I really, I really look at, to the podcast now to... Help sort of ground me in why we keep doing this. You know, we keep having these great guests on that have all this great experience, like Robin Clark's, I just listened to that one um, that you hosted, the last one. And, you know, thinking about the expanded core and thinking about the national agenda. And I was like, man, I miss just thinking about those things. So I, I think that one of the great things about the podcast is that it, it continues that thread of like reminding us of what's important in our work.
0: Yeah, you know, I I had to laugh, so I was listening back to that first episode. Um, uh, I'm sorry, not the first episode, but your first episode as the superintendent, which has (laughs) happened since since the beginning of this podcast. Um, So when Michael Garrett was interviewing you, and uh, in the introduction... You know, he talked a little bit about how the podcast had started and that you were the outreach director and then he said, "And plot twist, she's now the superintendent." And I laughed out loud at that part because I was like, "Oh, and that was just the first plot twist <laughs> because <laughs> hi, you're the new superintendent and plot twist, pandemic." Yeah. So, talk just a little bit. I think just share a little bit about this last year. I know that's a big a big, heavy topic, but, you know, just I think maybe some of the things that you've learned, some of the some of the things that you're grateful for, you know, it's Thanksgiving week, um, just I guess from this last year, what have you learned about being the superintendent? Um,
1: one of the things that surprised me was that I didn't get a secret playbook, like, <laughs> like I mean, we, we have actually had an emergency of operations plan specific to a pandemic. And um, so when it hit and I read it, I was surprised at how applicable it was. Mm. But then I expected, you know, I don't know, a call from the governor or (laughs) somebody (laughs) to say like, oh, and by the way, this is really how it's going to how it's going to play out. And so, you know, we I was like everybody else awaiting new pieces of information. And um was actually grateful for the spring when when we remained remote and as we started to figure out, you know, how does the disease spread, what are some risk mitigation things we can put in place and that kind of thing. Um, And just continually impressed with the teachers and the programs we have and the community that just pulled together to keep doing what was best for kids. Um, And then going into this fall and, having it be a little more challenging and just mm. synthesizing so many pieces of information, talking to the uh, TEA, our Department of Education, and, and talking to other blind schools and finding out what they're doing and, you know, hearing from our staff and our families and our school board and, you know, it just goes on and on. And <laughs> um, and so it's it's been... Uh, you know, it's sort of funny because people have said when you go into a superintendent job, you know, you you lose the direct contact with students. Um, you're not in the classroom anymore or in classrooms, and and um, you have to think more broader and spend more time on operations mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Um, and I was like, yeah, I can get into that stuff, that you know, but I still get to to be sort of the champion for kids and. Uh, boy, am I in operations now. (laughs) (laughs) So that's been just learning that side of the job times 30. You know the thing that I'm grateful for is that we have resources to do a lot of things to make it safer on our campus. Um, Just this weekend we had these giant outdoor tents installed for so we could do PE outside you know Mm -hmm. and and provide more outdoor classrooms and again I know our schools in the northern climates are probably a little envious of all of that because (laughs) it's harder for them to be outside right now but with us whining about 50 degrees, I think that right, <laughs> I think yeah. we, can, we can make the best use of our outdoor space. So, you know, I just continue to be grateful for the systems in place here to support our kids and the mm-hmm. and the staff for sure.
0: You know, well, my first year as a school principal was, you know, we just had we had crazy things happen, like happens during a school year. Not a pandemic. Let me be clear of <laughs> that. Not that level. But I remember thinking so many times, they did not teach me this in principal school. In fact, I wanted a t-shirt that just said that. They did not teach me this in principal school. And so, you know, I've thought about you a lot this last year, especially. I know that you've been, um, you know, doing some some coursework for your superintendent license Mm -hmm. and, and, and working with some of the folks in Region 13. Are there superintendents that have felt prepared for this? Or do you feel like everybody's kind of in the same boat going like, hold on, they didn't teach us this in superintendent school. (laughs) You know, I I haven't
1: met a superintendent this in the last 12 months that didn't felt like they were on shaky ground Mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons. Um, You know, they're worried about making the right decision. Uh, They have a lot of stakeholders. We all do. It's not just teachers, and it's not just families, and Mm -hmm. it's also our community, and, and, you know, the list goes on and on, and so we're all dealing with it in different ways, and, um, you know, we're still reaching out to each other. I, we had a Meeting with a, a blind school in Canada recently and you know tomorrow I'm talking to a gentleman from Tennessee and next week we have a meeting with Illinois and and residential blind schools are just so unique that we we're all reaching out to each other to get ideas and and just get through it so.
0: That's one thing I've, I've really enjoyed seeing I don't enjoy anything about the pandemic. <laughs> Let me make that clear. But I really have enjoyed seeing the collaboration that has come yeah. you know, across state and international lines as we're all just figuring this out together. Yeah. You know, It's, it's been an intense year for sure. Um, so also within this last year, um, you've had the unique experience of being a TSBVI parent huh. as well. And so the other side. So as you've mentioned before, your son Eddie is a student here. Um, can you share just a bit about the experience of having him transition to the campus program and and what that's like being being a parent here on campus?
1: Yeah, it's uh, you know it's always um, there was a time when when Eddie was in kindergarten actually I was his his IT, his TVI. I was working as an itinerant in his district and. Um, That was actually harder than the situation we're in now. Um, As as I'm sure you all know, TVIs are the first and foremost advocate for students who are blind, and so to be the parent and the TVI, um, I I often had to bring in colleagues to back me up because it was suspect sometimes uh, to the district, my recommendations. Um, but you know we moved uh, when we moved here to Austin we weren't sure if he would go to TSBVI or not he had really great services in his local district um, and great support and then um, of course as the superintendent here we reside on campus and so after many conversations with his team and and he had been through some really tough health uh, situations and so we opted to have him attend here, um, and last year it just worked really great, you know, collaborating, and it still is, but it's like a, it's a little more tricky, I think, because you know, for example, when we brought kids back to campus, he was in the first wave because he um, struggles. He's with the group that struggles the most with any kind of remote instruction due to his multiple disabilities. Um, and so just making sure, you know, the pressure on me to make sure he would wear a mask, you know, like really stressed me out. And the, and then the fact that he would was shocking. <laughs> it was like, wow, I wonder how many of our other kids could wear a mask, you know, and really um, step up. And so um, it's just been unique during this time because it's, it's, uh, trying to work with teams and seeing firsthand what they're trying to, uh, how they're trying to do teaching in such a strange environment for kids that need so many strict routines. Um, So we're a family that's electing for in-person for him, but I also know exactly everything on this campus that's helping keep him safe, and so it makes it not such a (laughs) tough decision. and then I have two girls that are in gen ed in public schools and they're both doing remote learning because for them they have no issue with it. So mm-hmm. it's it's families are making tough decisions right now based on a lot of factors, I mm-hmm. think.
0: Um, I, I appreciate what you said though about, you know, systems being put in place to keep everyone safe and and that's the thing that I have been so grateful for, and I think I can speak to a, a lot of the employees here at TSPVI, is we've been very grateful for your transparency, you know, and we feel like with we have a fantastic health center. Mm-hmm. Um, Sally Friedman, our, our our lead nurse there, is just is just awesome and incredible. And, you know, a, a team of people that are putting so many things into place. In fact, last week even I, I learned how to do a rapid COVID <laughs> test, which again, they didn't teach me that in principal school. <laughs> me too, <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, but I just, so I I guess just you know a thank you to you because we know that it just has not it's not been easy on any level. But um, I think the TSBBI community at large is grateful to you and to the transparency that that we felt through this process.
1: Yeah, and we and we keep you know asking staff all the time. Let us know if something's mm-hmm. not working or if if uh, there's a problem that we don't know about because we know the folks in the classrooms and in the dorms. And on the buses and in the <laughs> health center, you know, they have that firsthand perspective that I just don't have. And so, getting that mm-hmm. as much as we can has also been really helpful.
0: Yeah. So I want to come back to the podcast a little bit, and, and this might be a fun place to loop Nathan in too. So <laughs> listening back to the first episode, you said that the hope is that the podcast will be a dialogue with families and professionals to help navigate resources and service, and services for students who are blind, visually impaired, and deafblind. So especially through the pandemic, do you feel like that mission still holds, or how do you feel maybe that that has evolved since then? You know, I... I do
1: think it still holds. I think what the one thing that I would add is that I've noticed lately that we are um, focusing on maybe not trends, but mm-hmm. but we've done a lot of interviews that are at the front end of something, you know. And, and I'm really proud of that. Like like the one we recently did with Penny on the access and engagement survey, yes. you know. Um, at not not talking about results yet, because we're not there, but talking about the need for that information. Um, some of the person first language stuff we did, which was based on opinions and hearsay and, and was sparked by a conversation on Twitter of all things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so I think that, you know, that's something that I'd like to see continuing is that we are um, oh, and like the emotional literacy with Scott, that, that got a huge traction, you know, so things like that and the TDB pilot and, you know, we're, I think people know TSBVI is um, at the front of a lot of things just because of the, the systems we have in place, but we also know that, you know, to publish something takes a lot of time, to do research takes a lot of time, and so I think that we're willing to talk about stuff before it's actually finalized i Mm -hmm. guess and which makes us um sort of innovating i think Mm -hmm. and so i think that's something that i would add is that i like i hope we keep doing that and uh also i hope i'd like to get more of the family stuff going i think it's i think we haven't spent enough time on that um but i'd still like that to to be the the mission and and I know all our, our stuff also applies to families but with that specific target audience in mind I think we could be doing more
0: yeah um a, a couple of weeks ago the our our board asked for some analytics and some data on the podcast so this sounds like a brag and it maybe is a little bit it's fascinating I like <laughs> but it but yeah it is like so it. interesting and it's really cool so Nathan was kind enough to to help dig into some of that data Um, and you have to remind me how many countries did we 43 I think yeah it's something like 43 and then we've at least had one
1: download from all 50 states Mm
0: -hmm. and then
1: uh, I don't have all the analytics in front of me but we're at like 10,000 plus downloads or something like that 12,000 downloads
0: averaging um, I can remember this because it was 333 so averaging 333 um, downloads per episode which it's is really awesome. cool
1: yeah but yeah
0: just to think the international um, reach and again you know it, it it is a little bit of a brag but mostly just looking at those numbers was very humbling to say mm-hmm. people in our field families um, professionals I think are, are looking for that connection and looking for that collaboration um and you know as as a listener i posted two times but as a listener (laughs) of the podcast i've i've been grateful that it has continued to to be published and hope it will for a long time
1: yeah me too me too i i really enjoyed going to you know i get a lot of my ideas from uh conferences Mm because as you know you go somewhere and you sit in on a session and you're like wow i wish people knew more about this um i can think specifically to the deafblind symposium the first one i went to Mm -hmm. the only one i've been to so far in 2019 and i sat in on david wiley's presentation about um transition and uh, i immediately was like oh my gosh we have to do a podcast episode about this And, and it wasn't that it was Um, groundbreaking material but he had such a good way to describe creatively thinking about uh, students who are deafblind and what they could do with their futures Mm -hmm. and so like sitting in conferences or going to events and hearing some people talk and you're just like man more people need to hear this and so um that's been that's been a little tricky with the pandemic is that none of us are actually going to conferences but but still sitting in on sessions and hearing about things that are going on is still, um, you know, I went to Texas's NFB convention a couple weeks ago, and they were talking about all of the online uh, learning they're doing with students and that they they've, have been doing. And so that's one of our podcast episodes in January is I'm going to interview um, Emily Gibbs, who coordinates mm. their student stuff, and, um, Because she was just talking about it and I was like, oh, we need to get you on because it's just another entity providing a way to reach families during a pandemic. And uh, it's it's fun to just find these people in these
0: topics for sure. All right. So I have two more questions for you. (laughs) Okay. the first one. So when Michael interviewed you, he also interviewed Cece, your daughter. Oh, yeah. And they had a very lengthy discussion about needing to have chickens in the backyard. So I think everybody wants to know: Do y'all have chickens in the backyard? <laughs> I will. I will say we don't yet have chickens. One of the reasons for that
1: is that we we have acquired two dogs in the last year, and so that makes the chickens a little trickier. We did put in. Um, we did put it. Put up like a, a fence for them, and it, I think it has a top on it, or it will. Um, and so my husband James definitely plans to get the chickens, but I've also been warned by some staff that are very up to speed on wildlife around here that, uh, there are hawks and, uh, we've seen fox around here. And so we're, uh. We're cautiously proceeding with chickens, but our family is obsessed with eating eggs. I, don't know that's, I mean, we, I can't, I, I can't even explain how many eggs we go through and why that happens. So I don't even know if we can get enough chickens to accommodate that need, but I'm sure Cece would be happy to harvest the eggs if we could make that happen. <laughs>
0: make it happen. Um I think we can look forward to the episode, A Sense of Chickens, when that yeah. finally happens. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
1: They'll just be shrieking and running yeah. in the backyard and dogs barking. It'll we'll be get, yeah, we'll joyous. we'll get
0: CC over. All right, last question. What's your favorite self-care routine right now? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You
1: know, I um, – isn't it hard to define what is self-care <laughs> and what is
0: just like a hitting nap. pause? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I know you said yeah. You know, I, I just was visiting um, with my uh, best friend Andrea, and we were talking about how both of us are so good at doing nothing. <laughs> like, And uh, I feel like I my brain has worked so hard during the week that I spend a lot of times on the weekend just binge watching tv or sitting around with the kids watching a movie and that kind of stuff um but my favorite thing to do is besides well I have two things one I like to sit on our front porch and read and Mm -hmm. read something for fun like I I really like to do that but the other thing I really like to do is um I have a very old tv in my sewing room that has like a vhs player in it.
0: So, wait, a, v, a VH what?
1: I know. I know. Remember those v- VCRs?
0: Yeah.
1: Um and so I like to uh put in old movies that I have on VHS in my sewing room and quilt and just I could spend in fact last weekend, do you remember the old Anne of Green Gables movies? Yes. like everybody oh. loves them. Nathan's laughing cuz
0: he's like, "Why would you admit to that?" I'm sorry, we just added like 30 minutes onto this episode. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> what they so
1: there's a place here called uh it's a chain but it's called half price books mm-hmm. and they sell old v- vhs tapes and they had all three anne of green gables movies which are two tapes per movie <laughs> and so last weekend that's what i did i i binge watched anne of green gables and worked on a, a cool project that i had <laughs> and, I just, and yes i'm I don't know what I'm admitting to right now, but it's pretty wholesome and it felt great. Yeah, I, think that's, I think it's just a shout out to our Canadian listeners. Yes, that's, right, that's right. Yeah. That's what you're doing that for. So thanks. Right. Thanks for listening, Canada.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think my public library where I grew up had it, had copies of those that had my name on them.
1: No, yeah. I know.
0: Oh, I love it. Well, Emily, thanks so much for spending some time. We know it's, it's been how many times have we said it it's been a crazy year but we're grateful for your leadership and hey 50 episodes
1: yeah well
0: I'm I mean I'm I'm excited for that we keep doing it that we
1: have people that want to do it like Nathan and Lowell and yourself as their you know team leader encouraging us to keep keep doing it and I'm excited because our next episode in December is going to be students doing some monologue work, I think, some of our theater students. And so getting them involved is also one of my favorite things. So who knows what will come, but uh, we keep getting ideas. So feel free to email us if you if if anybody listening has an idea or if they want to be interviewed. I. I have a short list of people I still need to follow up with, so I should probably get on that.
0: <laughs> well, you've got at least 50 more episodes yeah. to do let's it, hope right? so let's <laughs> hope so.
1: This has been a presentation of the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired Outreach Department. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics to cover in future episodes, please contact us at podcast at tsbvi.edu.